Hey everyone, welcome to the Cornerstone Church Podcast. Our prayer is that through this message, you will find the Father, a family, and a fulfilling future. Be sure to connect with us online at Cornerstone Church Social to keep up with all things Cornerstone. Thanks for tuning in. Hey, are we feeling good today? Love in the clock. Feeling good, awesome, awesome. I'm feeling good. We had a daddy-daughter dance last night at uh, Coventry for uh, uh, the kids. It was so much fun. We cut a rug last night, man, let me tell you. So if I'm looking extra spry up here, it's because of the, uh, the dancing last night. But I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited for today, excited to preach uh, today. I'm gonna ask you, if you would, if you're physically able, could you stand to your feet uh, as we honor the reading of God's word? We're gonna be reading today from Acts chapter nine. That's where we're gonna be focusing in on. Um, and it's, uh, let me just give you a little bit of context before we hop in. We're gonna be reading about a man by the name of Saul, You probably know him better as the Apostle Paul. Saul, before he had his life completely transformed by Jesus, he was a man who went by the name of Saul, and he was a very uh, very faithful Jewish leader. He uh, was very faithful to to God's word, so faithful that when this new cult uh, called the way, these people who were following this rabbi by the name of Jesus sprung up, he was determined to snuff it out at any cost until he had an encounter with Jesus, which is what we're going to read from today. This is what it says in the book of Acts, starting uh, uh, in chapter 9, verse 1. Meanwhile, Saul was uttering threats with every breath and was eager to kill the Lord's followers. So he went to the high priest. He requested letters addressed to the synagogues in Damascus, asking for their cooperation in the arrest of any followers of the way he found there, the way of Jesus. He wanted to bring them, both men and women, back to Jerusalem in chains. You see, at this point, the the church has started to spread. Jesus has been killed, he's resurrected, he's ascended back to the Father's right hand, and the church is spreading all over the place, and Saul does not like it, along with a lot of the uh, Jewish religious leaders. They want this to come to an end, and so he's decided, you know what? I'm going to go to Damascus. I'm going to start uh, uh, getting some of the Christian leaders there. I'm going to get them arrested and extradite them back to Jerusalem to face their crime. So that's what he's wanting to do until verse 3. As he was approaching Damascus on this mission, a light from heaven suddenly shone around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. And the voice replied, I am Jesus the one you are persecuting. Now get up and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. And so we're gonna skip a few verses because that's exactly what uh, what Saul does. He goes into Damascus, he waits. God instructs a man by the name of Ananias to come and to minister to Saul, to be with him and kind of help him as he gets his feet in under him uh, because his life is about to completely and utterly change. Uh, And so then we pick up in verse 19 of Acts 9. It says this, Afterward, Saul ate some food and regained his strength. Saul stayed with the believers in Damascus for a few days, and immediately he began preaching about Jesus in the synagogues, saying he is indeed the Son of God. All who heard him were amazed. Isn't this the same man who caused such devastation among Jesus' followers in Jerusalem? They asked. And didn't he come here to arrest them and take them in chains to the leading priests? 
Saul's preaching became more and more powerful, and the Jews in Damascus couldn't refute his proofs that Jesus was indeed the Messiah. And this is how it concludes in verse 31. The church then had peace throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria, and it became stronger as the believers lived in the fear of the Lord. And with the encouragement of the Holy Spirit, it also grew in numbers. Incredible story that we read here from Acts chapter nine as Paul encounters, or Saul encounters the risen Jesus and has his life completely and utterly transformed. Now, what I want us to focus in on today, and then we're gonna pray and you can grab a seat after that. What I want us to focus in on today is this idea that the road you're traveling, we just read about Saul traveling on a road, the road to Damascus. I want to suggest to you that today, the road that you're traveling on, no matter what it is, no matter where you find yourself today, what if, what if the road you're on, what if you're right where God wants you? What if you're in here today and you're thinking, Pastor, there's no way that could be true. You have no idea what's going on in my life. You don't know the things I've done. You don't know the things I've seen. You don't know the things that I'm, I'm guilty of. You don't know the thoughts I have. There's no way that could be true. What if you are right where God wants you. <laughs> you just don't know it yet. I want us to contemplate that today as we study God's word. Can you bow your head and let's pray together. Father God, we believe that you are here in this moment, that when there are two or three or more gathered, you are there. And so God, we know you're in our presence. We know that you're with the people watching and joining us online today. We can feel you here in our midst. And God, we are excited and we are expectant because we know when you're in our midst, things change. When you're in our midst, we change. And so God, we're believing that's gonna happen today. As we study your word, you are going to speak to us. You are going to uh, point out sin in our life. You are gonna show us areas where, where we can be more like your son, Jesus. You are going to transform us in these next moments. And God, we can't wait because we're eager for that. We are eager to become more like Jesus. So Father, have your way in these next moments. Do what only you can do. And we will make sure that we give you and nobody else all the power, all the glory, and all the praise because you deserve it. We lift all this up in your mighty and your powerful name. And everybody said together, amen, amen. Grab a seat, high five somebody next to you. Tell them you're right where you need to be. You're right where you need to be. <laughs> Well, I am pumped that you guys are here. We are in part two of this series, Here and Now. Part two of the series, Here and Now. This is a series we've done the last few years. We're doing it again this year. And uh, the, the subtitle for this series is Here and Now, Building Our Future in the Present. Building Our Future in the Present. The whole idea, the whole basis behind this series is the idea that so often in church circles, we can utter the phrase, the best is yet to come. Who's heard that phrase before, right? The best is yet to come. It's a great phrase. I love it. Like, I love what it means. I love what it implies. That, yeah, like, great days are ahead. That's, that's all and good. But sometimes we in the church, we can get so focused on what's to come that we neglect what is. We can get so pumped and so excited and so expectant for God's faithfulness in the future, we ignore his faithfulness in the here and now. Like, we completely overlook the things that he's done for us. Just last week, I shared about uh, our update on where we are in our building campaign and how I was writing everything out, all the accomplishments we've seen, and I forgot to include buying this building. <laughs> like, I'm like, oh yeah, we bought a building in faith during a pandemic. Like, that's how easy it is for us to get so pumped and hyped for the future 
then we forget God's faithfulness in the here and now. We don't want that to happen. We want to make sure that we are, are fully embracing, fully living in the faithfulness and the goodness of God right here and right now because he is faithful and he is good right here and right now. Amen? Like we're, we're experiencing it. We're seeing this to be true in our life and in our church. And so uh, last week, whenever we kind of kicked off this series, I shared a whole lot of information with you guys because we are in this building campaign. And we talked about where we've been, the, the, the accomplishments we've seen, that we bought this building, we've raised over $500,000, we've, you know, we've, we've hired a project manager, all these awesome things. We talked about where we are right now. We're currently in the construction design process and the civil engineering process. That's where we find ourselves right now. And then we talked about what's to come, that, that we've got permitting coming up and we've got to uh, finalize our loan package, all those kind of things. And then we've got a groundbreaking ceremony, like it's gonna be amazing. And then our first worship service. We, we talked about all these things. It was a whole lot of information last week. Today is gonna to be a lot more inspiration, <laughs> and so is next week. Today is gonna, uh, last week was a lot more just talking. Today is gonna to feel a lot more like preaching, okay? So I'm, I'm getting my, my preaching uh, wings back and under me today. So uh, uh, I'm excited. I'm excited about what God is doing in the here and now. I'm excited about what he's doing in our church the, the life change that we're seeing happen, the way that the spirit is moving in our relationships and the way that uh, we have our groups here at Cornerstone, man, God is just doing something wonderful and we are seeing it all over the place. Uh, today, what I wanna talk to you about, if you're a sermon note taker, our title for today is God Bless the Broken Road. God, I already heard some chuckles. Some people are already trying to sing it. Every long, long, right? You're trying to belt it out. And, and I, I can see the people who are excited because they're like, oh, I love that song. And then I can see the people who are dying bit by bit because they hate country music and they're like, don't sing the song. Don't play the song, right? God bless the broken road. Now, that song, I, I think the reason that song caught on so like, big, because it's huge. It's a huge song. It's a song that even country, like people who don't like country music, they like that song. <laughs> like, it, it, it was a, such a, a big thing whenever it came out, and it still is today. And I think the main reason behind that, um, yeah, the melody, the melody's catchy and stuff like that, but I think the main reason is the message behind the song. I think that's what made that song so catchy. If you don't know it, you know, it's a Rascal Flat song. You can listen to it after service. Uh, but basically, the gist of it is, you know, every heartbreak I've endured, every obstacle that I've been through, all, all of these hardships I'm thankful for them because they've led me to this person that I'm in love with, right? That's, that's the whole message of the song. And we love that idea. We love that idea. That's why it's so huge. But this is what I, I wanna say about that. We love that idea, kind of, <laughs> kind of. Because here, here's the thing, here's the qualifier. We all love a broken road story, but we don't wanna live a broken road story. <laughs> like, like, we love it. We're like, ooh, this is good. Oh, it's so great. I just don't want that. <laughs> like, I, I'm, 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 I'm so happy. Someone got their life turned around. They found true love, all this different stuff. We all love a broken road story, but we don't want to live a broken road story. You know that's true. Um, like, okay, so what we just read from Acts chapter nine, let's look at verse three again. Uh, as Saul was approaching Damascus on his mission, a light from heaven suddenly shone around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? So Jesus encounters him. His light shines around him. Saul falls off the horse. And all of us reading it, we're like, whew, gives me chills. 
What a powerful moment. What an awesome moment because Jesus is about to encounter him and completely change his life around and ooh, it's gonna be so good. We love it for him, <laughs> but then we keep reading and we read how he's shipwrecked and how he's beaten and how he goes through all these terrible things and we're like, yeah, that, that's great for you, Saul. <laughs> you can have the broken road. I love the broken road for you, not for me. <laughs> like, it's, it's wonderful for you. I, I'm, I'm glad that you're finding Jesus and all this different stuff, but man, I don't want a broken road. You, you know what? I, I would say less broken road, more easy street. That's what I would prefer, right? But, but we do love the stories. We're intrigued by these stories. We love the broken road stories. Think about probably some of your favorite stories in scripture. The, the crossing of the Red Sea. Incredible moment when God shows himself in, in power, shows himself mighty. Uh, his people are escaping Egypt and they find themselves in this perilous situation where they come upon the Red Sea they're hemmed in by the wilderness on one side, the, the sea in front of them, and the Egyptians coming in behind them. And so they're just stuck. And as we're reading it, we're like, oh, this is so good. This is so great. This is so wonderful. Wasn't good, great, and wonderful to them. <laughs> like they, they felt like they were about to die. Like That's a terrifying situation. But for a lot of us, it's one of our favorite scenes in all of Scripture, the fiery furnace uh, with Shadrach, Meshach, and Amenigo. We love this story where these three young Jewish men refused to bow the knee to the false god of the Babylonians. They just refused to do it. And so because of this, they're threatened with their death, being thrown into a fire that is so hot, the men who are throwing them in are killed by the flames. That's how hot it is. And we read this and we're like, ooh, this is the good part. Ooh, this is the good part. This is my favorite part. There's four of the people in there and they're okay. And not even a hair is singed on them. Like, we, we love that for them. <laughs> I, I love that for you. I love it for them. I don't love it for me, though. I don't want broken road. I don't want scary situation. I, I want easy street. I want simple. I want stuff that just works out the way that I thought, the way that I hoped, the way that I planned it would. We don't even need to just turn to, like, Scripture for that. We see it in our own church family. We have testimonies all over the place, incredible testimonies in our church. We just shared one at Easter, Kevin and Lauren Schubert, a couple in our church. Incredible story of how God in the middle of hardship, in the middle of different moments of life, is weaving this beautiful story in their lives, and we love that. We've, we've got multiple stories like that, incredible testimonies. I've shared mine before of, of what God's doing but we're like, yeah, that's great for you. I wanna hear about your hardship <laughs> and how God overcame your difficult situations. Like, you don't wanna be the person on the receiving end of us being like, hey, this is Cornerstone Church calling. Can we please interview you because we can't believe what you've been through? Like, can you come and share that with the church? Like, you don't wanna be on the other end of that phone call because we all love a broken road story, but we don't wanna live a broken road story. We don't want things to be difficult. We don't want things to be hard. And we know that as a church family. Like I've been talking about from a personal perspective. Let's, let's talk about from a corporate church perspective. Cornerstone. Who would have written our story? The way it's played out, who, who would have wrote that script? Not me. <laughs> Not me. I, I would have included like at least 75% less heartache. <laughs> like 60% less hardship. I, I wouldn't have included all those breaks in the road. I would have been like, can we straighten this bad boy out a little bit? Can we like make it a little bit more seamless from point A to point B to point C? Like this is, this is hard. This is difficult. 
You can believe that Saul wasn't planning on this moment happening in his life. This was a deviation from the plan that he had for his life. We all love a broken road story, but we don't want to live the broken road story. And so if that is you and you're like, yeah, that's actually, that's exactly it. Like I don't, (laughs) I want things to be easy. I don't want any hiccups. I just want smooth sailing. Like what do I do to get that? Let me give you the recipe for the broken road, okay? I'm gonna give you the recipe for the broken road so you know, okay, that's what I just need to avoid, okay? So here's the recipe. The recipe for a broken road. Sin, screw-ups, in life situations. So if, if you don't have any of those things in your life at all, congratulations. You've, you're on easy street. Uh, so all you have to do is just avoid, avoid sin. Never sin. Be perfect and blameless and faultless like the, the Passover lamb. That's all you need to do, right? Like that's, that's all you need to do. Oh, but not just that. Um, if you wanna avoid a broken road, don't just be sinless. You need to also just be abundantly wise. Because we know, I mean, we all know this, that yeah, we get into trouble because we sin. We also get into trouble because we just screw up. And sometimes a decision isn't actually sinful, it's just unwise. Like like we see Paul talk about that in scripture. We see that in Proverbs as well. We see it all over the place where a decision isn't actually sinful. It's not violating God's principles or God's ways, but it's just unwise. And so we make an unwise decision and we screw up our life and suddenly we find ourselves on a broken road. So you need to avoid sin, you need to avoid screw-ups, and honestly, to, to live an, a, a life on easy street, you kind of need to just not have a pulse. <laughs> because, because even if somehow you manage to be sinless, even if somehow you manage to have nothing but perfect uh, decision-making skills, besides all of that, life is just gonna throw you situations. It just is. It just is. You're, you're gonna do all the right things and your company's still gonna go under. You're gonna do all the right things and you're still gonna get the diagnosis that you were praying to God you did not hear. You're still gonna do all the right things and could have a miscarriage or could lose a child in another way. These things can still happen and suddenly you are thrust onto a broken road and you're going, okay, I did not think I was gonna be here. I did not plan on being here. I did not envision that this is what my life would look like. Those apply to all of us, none of us, whether it is through our sin, whether it is through us just making unwise decisions, whether it's just through situations that life is throwing us uh, our way, none of us are in the midst of God's ideal. None of us, there's not a single person in this room who can say, you know what, from day one, from my first breath, I've never sinned, I've never made an unwise decision, and life has never thrown a situation my way that I've just handled perfectly. Like, none of us, can say that, which means none of us is exactly in the ideal of where we were supposed to be pre-fall. We just aren't. We're not there. None of us are there. That's the reality of the world, and it's a, a sobering reality. It's a very sobering reality for us to realize that, that we can make our plans and things can still go wrong. I, last night, I just told you guys that we had the daddy-daughter dance. I made a plan for a post-dance dinner I'm like, all right, I'm gonna talk to the girls, see what they want, and it's gonna be fun. We're gonna have a post-dance dinner. And so originally, I, I asked them if they wanted to go to like Applebee's or IHOP or something like that, and they're like, no, no, no. I was like, okay, well, Eden, what do you really want? What do you really want? She's like, um, Freddy's, Freddy's. She loves Freddy's chicken tenders. So I'm like, okay, Freddy's it is. Evelyn, what do you want? She's like, um, 
Chipotle. I'm like, Chipotle, that's perfect. We'll get you guys these two things. This is awesome. So we're at the dance. We stay a little bit late. We're there like after it's over. We get in the car and I'm, I'm making plans because I'm smart. I'm making plans. And I'm like, I'm going to pre-order the Chipotle on the app so that it's ready. As soon as we get out of Freddy's, we just drive right over into Arlington Ridge. I run in and grab it and we're home. Like that's just, it's beautiful. Like I've got it all planned out. So we get into Freddy's drive through line. We're getting ready to order the chicken tenders. And I swear they must have been finding and butchering the chicken in the Freddy's because... Holy cow, <laughs> we, we pulled up to the thing and, you know, God bless them, but they, they, we, we didn't even get to say another word apart from, yeah, we don't mind waiting for about another 12 to 15 minutes. We're just sitting there like, you know, okie dokie, kids are getting restless in the back. Like Eden's like, what's taking so long? Are they, have they ordered yet? And I'm like, no, honey, not yet. Not yet. And so eventually it gets to the point where she's like, she's starting to get a little emotional because it's late. And she's hungry, <laughs> and so I'm like, okay, sweetheart, what about, is there anything else you would want? Any, anything else? We're starting to deviate from the plan. I'm like, anything else? And she's like, um, McDonald's. McDonald's sounds good. And I'm like, okay, McDonald's? She goes, yeah, like a sausage biscuit. I think they still do all day breakfast. I'm like, perfect, let's do it. So we pull out, we go into McDonald's, come around. They do not do all day breakfast anymore. <laughs> we went around and they told us that. I'm like, oh, okay, all right, well. And so we pull out of that line. At this point, she's on the verge of tears. And I'm like, honey, I'm so sorry. I wanted this to be fun. I had a perfect plan for this to be fun. I'm like, anything else? And she's like, through tears saying, mozzarella sticks from crazy chicken <laughs> right across the street. I'm like, mozzarella sticks from crazy chicken. All right, here we go. So we go over. I'm like, I'm gonna hit up Chipotle first because the stuff should already be ready. We're like 10 minutes late. We go into Chipotle. They didn't even start our order. They're like, oh no, we'll get on it now. And I'm like, ah, <laughs> right? So they get our order. They bring it out. We hop in the car. We go through the crazy chicken line and wait for the mozzarella sticks. And then after that, I'm, I'm getting ready for us to pull home. I'm like, finally, home. And then I look down and realize the gas light's been on for Lord only knows how long. And so we are booking it to Circle K. I mean, we're pulling in on fumes. I'm about to have to Fred Flintstone the car into the Circle K. And as I'm standing there at the pump, I'm pumping, and they're in there just la 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 eating their food. And I'm like, oh, gosh. <laughs> These last 50 minutes have just been like, tense and ugh, like I just felt like oh I need a massage after all that like it was just so tense like so tense and just pressure filled and I'm like man I had a good plan like I had everything planned out I had a, a good plan in place where this was all supposed to work seamless and then it didn't and man if that isn't life and man, isn't that like our, our, our walk with God too? We just have the best of plans that we're gonna do the devotional every single morning. We'll never miss a moment of it. And we're, we're just gonna listen to worship music all the time. And that's all it's gonna be. And everything's gonna be up and to the right. And then it's not. <laughs> and suddenly the road that seems so straight and so perfect suddenly starts becoming more and more crooked and more and more broken. You wanna know one thing too that was pretty funny about that last night with us running all over the place like a chicken with our head cut off. Uh, the funniest part about it is that while all this is happening, I'm dressed to the nines. I've got like a suit on, which I don't, that's, that's my Merriam and Barium suit, right? Like that's like what I'm, I'm wearing is my suit. And I've got the tie with a little tie bar. And I'm, 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 like, I'm like, man, I'm dressed nice. And the girls, they look stunning. They look so pretty. And they got their little makeup on, their little like head. They just look so pretty. They got their corsages on. 
And so we're dressed to the nines, running around like maniacs. Like I'm sweating up in the front. The girls are crying in the back. I'm like, this is so funny because it looks like we have it all together, but we don't. (laughs) I want to let you know, even the people in your life that it looks like, man, they just got it all together. They don't. They don't. The the, the broken road, (laughs) no matter how good they look, everyone has a broken road story. Everyone. Pastor Jacob does. Pastor Brenda does. Pastor Donnie does. We all have a broken road story. It doesn't matter how good we look. It doesn't matter how, how much it seems like we've got stuff together. And man, it looks like everything's just worked out for them. No, no, no. Everybody has a broken road story. Everybody. Look at the Apostle Paul. Let's, let's flip real quick to Philippians chapter three. Okay, so this is Saul, the guy that we've been talking about. I'm just gonna be reading these. We won't have this scripture up on the screen. But this is the same guy that we've been talking about, the guy who was knocked off of his horse on the way to Damascus, the guy who, who, who now has written, uh, we know he, he went on to write like two-thirds of the New Testament. He started churches all over the Mediterranean. Just this incredible man. Outside of Jesus, the most influential figure in the the history of the Christian faith. Like, that's who we're talking about. This is what the apostle Paul says about himself. This is Philippians chapter three, verses five and six. He says, I was circumcised when I was eight days old, meaning, hey, my parents, they followed the the letter of the law. I was circumcised when I was supposed to uh, be following the Mosaic law. I was circumcised when I was eight days old. I am a pure-blooded citizen of Israel a member of the tribe of Benjamin, a real Hebrew if there ever was one. I was a member of the Pharisees who demand the strictest obedience to the Jewish law. He concludes this section of verses by saying, and as for righteousness, listen to this, and as for righteousness, I obeyed the law without fault. You wanna talk about someone who looks like, man, they've got a straight road, they're walking. Like this is someone who clearly has everything together. This is clearly someone who's doing everything that they're supposed to do. But listen to what Paul says in the midst of this. This is Philippians 3, verse six. So in the middle of all that, I was circumcised when I was a, I'm a pure-blooded citizen of Israel, member of the tribe of Benjamin, a real Hebrew, if there ever was one, a member of the Pharisees, strict disobedience to the law. I obeyed the law without fault, but I was so zealous that I harshly persecuted the church. Even this man who it seems like, wow, he must be doing everything right. He must be following everything the way he's supposed to be following it. He must be perfect. Even Paul shows us, yeah, no matter how good you look, everybody has a broken road story. Everybody has some sin that they've dealt with. Everybody has a screw up or a poor decision that they've made. Everybody has situations that have been thrust upon them that they're trying to work out the best they can. No matter how good they look, everybody has a broken road story. I remember talking to a a guy back whenever I became lead pastor, there were a few different people who left our church, which it's like, funny, that was one of the most eye-opening moments in my life. I was like, I thought everybody liked me. Like, what? No, whoa, this is crazy. Um, but we had a couple of people leave our church, and one of the guys who left our church, um, whenever I was talking with him, uh, uh, we were just discussing different stuff, and he's like, yeah, I, you know, I think, I, I think I'm gonna need to leave. And so we're talking, and as we're talking, he was like kind of backing away from it. He's like, well, I, I don't know, I don't know, maybe not. And I, whenever I was talking with him, I could do that. I, I said, I, I don't mean this in a mean way. I think it would be good if you left. 
you could see the look on the face like, well, are we about to fight right now? <laughs> I'm like, no, 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 like not in a good get out of here kind of way. I think for you, it would be good if you left. And I'm like, let, let, me, let me explain this. And I'm like, so at Cornerstone, with our size, like we're, we're still like, in a lot of ways, we're like a startup. We're like a startup. And so we're still growing. We're new in a lot of ways. And I'm like, and whenever that happens and you're, you're smaller and you are getting your legs in, in, uh, uh, and under you and everything like that, um, if there's any issues, if you've got an issue with somebody, if there's anything going on, we're small enough, you're not gonna really be able to avoid them. <laughs> if there's an issue you know about, you're gonna know about it because <laughs> we're small enough, you're gonna know about it. And I was like, I, honestly, it probably would be good for you to go to a larger church, to go to a church that has five, six, seven services, to go to a church that's got thousands and thousands of people. That probably would be a good thing for you um, because then you wouldn't have to deal with knowing about these issues or having to face that person or having to do, like you wouldn't have to do any of that. And as we're talking, he's like, yeah, no, that, I get that. that, that makes sense. And I really quickly made sure I added this in. I said, but hey, I just wanna let you know Wherever you end up going, I don't care how wonderful of a church it is, and I'm sure it will be wonderful. I don't care where you go. Just know they have issues too. It's just they'll be big enough you won't know about it. I, I used this illustration. I said it's like, I asked him, I was like, if you've ever been to Disney World or you know anything about it, whenever they're working on an area, you don't see scaffolding. You don't see construction trucks. You don't see tarps. You don't see the people working. You see none of that. You know what you see when you go to Disney? You see a big, beautiful wall that covers everything up, and it says, we're working on the magic for you. <laughs> That's what it says. Behind this wall, the magic is happening. It's magic. And actually, it's a whole lot of issues that they're trying to work out, right? Like, that's what's going on behind the wall. And I'm like, at, at Cornerstone, we don't got no walls. <laughs> Whatever is happening, chances are you're gonna know about it. Chances are you're gonna see that person having an issue with. These, these things are right here. And so it might be better for you to go to a place where you can kind of step back and not have to know that or have to see that person. Like that might be a better thing for you, but don't kid yourself, they have issues too. Because we all do. Everybody does. No matter how good you look, everybody has a broken road story. Now, why have I spent so much time talking on this particular point? It is not to beat us down and to be like, well, so we're all just in it and it's all bad and it's all broken and it's all difficult. I'm not talking about this to beat us down, but to build us up. Because what I want you to know by saying this, that everyone, everyone, no matter how good they look, has a broken road story. What I want us to remind ourselves of is the fact that if everyone has a broken road story that includes the person that you love, and the person that you admire, the person, that, 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 that marriage that you want to emulate, those people that you've looked up to your whole life because they've been so faithful and they follow God so well, all of those people, guess what? They have a broken road story too. And so what that means is, hey, if God was able to do that in their life, he can do that in mine. If God was able to, 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 to work all of that brokenness into who they are today, what that church is today, then my goodness, he can do it in me. He can use my broken road. He can use my, 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 my poor decisions. He can use my screw-ups, my situations. He can even use my sin, which is a wild thing. A lot of us are like, ooh, God doesn't use sin. He does. We see in Genesis chapter 50 and we see in different places throughout Scripture what the enemy intends for evil. Even the evil decisions that we make, God says, no, that's not the end of the story. 
I get to use that and use it for good. That will not be the end of the story. And so that's, that's, that's the God we serve, a God who redeems, a God who rescues, a God who takes even the, the, the poor decisions, the hard situations on our broken road, and he can redeem them to bring something good out of them. Cornerstone, that needs to be our reminder. That needs to be something that we hold to, that we cling to, that we remember that, you know what, God, he, he, he's not done. <laughs> he's not done. One of the ways I, I worded it is like this. Um, while we're on our way, while we're walking the, the broken road of life, while we're on our way, God is at work. While we're on our way, God is at work. So the, the broken road that we're walking on is actually training ground. When we put it in God's hands, when we start following his way, the, the broken road that we walk, the broken road that's been broken by our decisions, by the situations of life, by the screw-ups that we've made, that broken road, when we trust God, suddenly that broken road is training ground. God can do incredible work in the midst of the brokenness. So whenever we're walking, he's working. And I love that whenever we read from uh, uh, Acts chapter nine, verses one through three, we get this whole setup of what Saul thinks he's doing. <laughs> like the plans that he's making. Like, oh, the, the church is spreading and this, this group of people following the way, oh, we gotta snuff them out, we gotta get rid of this because this is just, this is gonna threaten the, 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 the worship of the true God of Yahweh, we gotta get rid of this. He's making his plans, he's getting uh, uh, letters to the synagogues in Damascus, he's making all of his plans. He's walking on a broken road in sin. Think about this. Saul is literally walking a broken road in sin and God is sitting back there going, he has no idea what's coming. <laughs> he has no idea what I'm up to. He has no idea what's coming. He's walking and he's not even walking in my ways and I'm gonna do something with him. I'm gonna do something with him. I'm going to intervene and I'm going to work in his life in such a powerful way he won't be able to deny it. While we're walking, God is working. And I take such comfort in that and I take such confidence in that when I think about our church because I think, man, Cornerstone, in the midst of any sin, in the midst of any screw-ups, in the midst of any situations that life throws our way, God is still at work. Those things don't suddenly nullify his power as if he's like, whoa, well, that sin was too great. I don't know what I can do with you now. Well, that, that unwise decision, man, I don't know. I don't think I can use this church anymore. Wow, that, that, that situation, that's a hard situation. I'll go find another church to use because I can't really, I'm kind of powerless here. God isn't saying any of that. God isn't saying any of that. In the midst of our sin, in the midst of any screw-ups, in the midst of our situation, God is at work. The difficult part, and this is what's so true, not just whenever we talk about us as a church with our building project and what we're hoping for for the future. This is true in your own personal life. The hard part is, is in the midst of that, God is at work, but you usually don't know it until later. And that's difficult. That's hard. It's, 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 it's a phrase that they use uh, in the NFL. Uh, they call it Monday morning quarterbacking, how the games are played on Sunday, and then come Monday morning, you've got all the armchair quarterbacks who are saying, well, what that quarterback should have done, and if he, would have be, if he was any good, this is what he would have done. They're calling into the radio shows, criticizing everything, right? And it's like, well, of course you think that now. 
because you have hindsight. <laughs> like, of course you, you, you know what you would do now because you're able to, with the vantage point of the future, look back and see and go, yeah, of course that's how things should have played out. That's, of course, how things should have gone. And we don't have that vantage point when we're in the midst of it. When we're in the midst of the broken road, we don't have that forward uh, thinking vantage point to look back at it. So things look hard, things look difficult. We don't see the blessing in the broken road. It takes time to see the blessing in the broken road. Um, I played basketball in high school and I loved it. I, I, I actually, I've played basketball my whole life from really, really little all the way up through high school, played basketball, I still play today whenever I get the chance. Um, and I, I loved it and I, I was good. Like, I'm a realist. I wasn't like, you know, I was planning on going to Ohio State or, you know, something like that. I'm a realist. I was good. I wasn't that good. <laughs> but my plan, I was like, man, around sophomore, junior year, I'm thinking it would be so cool if I could continue playing basketball in college. Like if I went to like Malone University or something like that, that would be awesome if I could keep playing somewhere. I, even if I came off the bench, like I don't care. I, I would just love to play. Um, and then my senior year happened. Bad, bad year. <laughs> For sports, just a bad year. We had a brand new coach. For some reason, he did not like me. He did not like me. He was also kind of prepping for the future. He was playing a lot more of the, of the younger classmen, but man, I don't know what it was. He just didn't like me. Uh, and he even, it's so funny because it sounds like, oh, Pastor, like, did he really? He admitted as much at the end of the year, we had our, our, our dinner, and he gave me uh, like the poise award at the end of the year and saying like, man, like, I want to apologize to you. Like, did this publicly. It was, it was wild. It was a, a really, really crazy thing. But man, throughout the year, it was just hard. And he, it broke my confidence. Like, all the confidence I had, I, just gone. Just completely gone. And so my plans for the future, out the window. I'm like, I'm choosing one of these kind of colleges because I want to go play basketball. And it'll probably lead to, like, this. And I'll probably be playing in the NBA and one of these. <laughs> I'm kidding. 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 <laughs> Um, but no, I'm like, man, this is like, that's, that's a whole different life than the one that I'm like living now. And now that I look back, I'm like, God bless the broken road. <laughs> like now that I'm looking back, I am so thankful that that happened. It didn't feel like I'd be thankful in the moment. It didn't feel like I would even be thankful a little bit down the road. But man, I look back at it now and I go, oh my goodness, thank God. And as you look at the Apostle Paul's life and you continue to look back, I mean, honestly, it seems like throughout his ministry, the worst thing that could have happened to him was encountering Jesus on the road to Damascus. It honestly looks like that's the worst thing that could have happened to him, what it leads to him at life. But whenever you read his final letters, whenever you read the letters that he wrote just before he was martyred for his faith in Jesus, you see no regret. You just see all of it, man, Thank God. Thank God for the broken road. Thank God for the way that he led me to where I am. Thank, honestly, thank God for even my upbringing and, and the way that I was raised because it allowed me to be the kind of person, have the kind of effectiveness that I have now. Thank God for the broken road. We don't see it in the moment. We can only see it with time. We can only see it with time. And here is why. This is, this is why I think we can only truly appreciate the broken road with time, because God, whenever he comes in, whenever he comes into a situation, God doesn't start from scratch. God redeems the road. He, he doesn't come in and just pluck you up and go, great, let me save you and start from scratch over here. God says, I'm coming here. I'm not starting from scratch. The road that you're on, I'm redeeming it. 
I'm, I'm making all things new in this moment. Listen to this. I, I, love, I love how this plays out. Let me read to you again. This is uh, from Acts chapter nine. Uh, we're gonna start in verse uh, verse one. Meanwhile, Saul was uttering threats with every breath and he was eager to cure, kill the Lord's followers. So he went to the high priest. He requested letters, listen to where, addressed to the synagogues in Damascus. That's where Saul is wanting to go. He's saying, hey, look, I need letters, I need uh, jurisdiction to go in to extradite the, these people, these blasphemers who are following Jesus. I need permission to go into the synagogues in Damascus to do this. And then he encounters Jesus on the way. And then listen to what it says, starting in verse 19. Saul, Saul stayed with the believers in Damascus for a few days, and he immediately began preaching about Jesus in the synagogues saying he is indeed the son of God. Paul stayed on the same road. Like Jesus didn't come in and say like, Paul, I, I'm the one that you're persecuting. Now turn back and go to Jerusalem because I want you to be in Jerusalem and I'm doing something completely different, completely do. He just says, hey, I'm Jesus, the one you're per persecuting. Keep going where you're going, but I'm coming with you. <laughs> Keep going where you're going, but I'm coming with you. Jesus doesn't start from scratch. He redeems the road. He redeemed the road for Saul, and he redeems the road for us. I think about whenever we left Coventry Elementary School and how scary that was in the middle of the pandemic because when we left it, it felt like we weren't just leaving the school. It felt like we were leaving the community. It felt like, man, this community that we've been in for, for years, like this community that we've been building ourselves up in where the majority of our congregation lives we're leaving it. Because I gotta be honest with you, looking for a long time, like we were looking for a long time for any kind of building, any kind of land, anything that we could get that was in the Coventry area that would keep us in this general area and there just was nothing that matched what we needed. Even whenever we put like the limits really, really like wide, like, hey, we, we're borderline looking for anything here. We couldn't find anything. And, but there was stuff available like way past Norton and there's stuff further down south and there's stuff to the east and west, but nothing that we could find right around here. And it felt a little bit like, well, we're starting from scratch. Like we're gonna have to start from scratch. And then God shows up. <laughs> we get this building and God says, no, 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 I'm not gonna have you start from scratch. I'm, I'm redeeming the road that you've been on. I'm redeeming it. Not only are you gonna be in the same community, I'm taking you out of a place where like the, the exposure you were getting, about 30,000 cars a day. Where we are here on Arlington, we get about 110,000 a day. We have access to the highway right here. We have close access to communities that we didn't before. Like we've got Green and Uniontown and Lake and Springfield and we're closer to all of these places than we ever used to be. We're closer to the more north parts of Akron than we ever used to be, especially with the proximity here on Arlington and the highway right there. Like God didn't start from scratch. He redeemed the road that we're on. So not only are we still in Coventry, we're able to reach new communities we weren't able to reach before because that's what God does. He doesn't start from scratch. He redeems the road that we were on and it does, it takes time. It takes time because he is a relational God and I, speaking of taking time, I've taken a lot of time. I'm gonna try to wrap this up pretty quick but, but this is the thing. He's a relational God. That's why it takes time because he doesn't just come in and say, boom, I'm just starting from scratch. He comes in and he works with us He's relational. Think about it. God doesn't just act on us. He allows us to interact with him. That's, I mean, think about it. Why, why do we have this? 
The whole reason we have a Bible is because God says, I'm not just gonna act upon you, I'm gonna act with you. I'm gonna inspire men and to, to, to write this. I'm gonna inspire men to, to, to pen my words. Like that's, that's why we even have a Bible is because God says, I am going to work with you. And that's relational, that's process of redemption. It's a long one. It's a long one. But what I love, and this is one of the last things I'll say, what I love is as we walk on the broken road, as we're walking uh, down that path, we start to realize that, you know what? The rougher the road I'm on, the stronger my God is. The stronger God shows himself. I wanna read one last piece of scripture. This is from 2 Corinthians chapter chapter 12, verses nine and 10. This is our uh, scripture verse for the year. This is what it says. This is the Apostle Paul writing again. He says, each time he said to me, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I am glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses and in the insults, the hardships and persecutions and the troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. When I am weak, then I am strong. The rougher the road, the stronger the God. The, the, the harder the road, the stronger our God. He, he shows himself to be capable. He shows himself to be strong. He shows up in our situations. And man, it's incredible how whenever you walk in God's ways, you can just sit back and see how he works. Even in tough situations, even in situations where it doesn't make sense. Guys, think about this. For Easter weekend, think about this. We impacted over 800 people over Easter weekend. That is nuts for a church our size to have over 500 in-person attendance here. Another 300 in actual online views, not like the six-second views over 300 actual views of our services. That's an amazing, amazing thing. We actually were just talking with one of the church consultants that we work with uh, this past week. He works with churches all over the place. Uh, and what he said, he's like, guys, I just wanna be honest with you. Hearing your numbers, hearing what you did, it's nothing short of a miracle for you guys to have made the impact that you did over your Easter weekend. That's incredible. For your size, absolutely, for your size, for the age of your church, for the, the resources that you have, it is nothing short of, amaz- uh, of amazing. And what it just reminds us, yeah, the, the tougher the road, the stronger our God. The more the chips are down, the, the more mighty he shows himself to be. And so what that means is when we're walking a broken road, you better believe he's gonna show up. We have bet our future on it as a church. <laughs> We've, we joke about it every time we talk about it. We bought a building in the middle of a pandemic. We bought a building when you couldn't meet. We have bet everything on the fact that, you know what? When the chips are down, when things seem to be the hardest, when the road is the most broken, that's when God comes in and says, I am going to show off here. We, there is, there's no greater example than the life of the Apostle Paul, a man who had his life completely broken. But in the midst of that brokenness, he made an impact that we can't even begin to fathom. And God wants to do the same kind of thing in our church He wants to do the same thing in our lives. He wants to do the same thing in our marriages and in our relationships. God wants to take the broken road that we are walking on and use it to create a miracle. I wanna pray with you guys real quick. Let's bow our heads and let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the fact that you you are who you are. That the God we read about, the God who was there for the Apostle Paul, 
the God who saw him through, who, who walked with him on the broken road and saw him through every obstacle and challenge that he faced, that that same God we have access to today, that same faith we have access to today, that same power we have access to today. We don't have a second-class Christianity today. We can relate to you in the same way that the saints of the faith related to you. We can put the same kind of faith and hope and trust in you, even when we find ourselves in the hardest of circumstances, even when we find ourselves on the broken road of life. We can have faith because we can say, you know what? I'm worshiping the same God as those people. And if God was able to do something in their life, if he was able to, to take the brokenness and make something beautiful out of it, I know he's gonna do the same for me. I know he's gonna work a miracle in my life. And God, we are believing that. We're believing that for us as individuals. We're believing that for us as a church, that you're gonna do great things and not just in some far off distant future, but you're gonna do them right here and right now. Thank you so much for your faithfulness, Father. We love you and we lift all this up in your name. Amen. Well, that's all for this week. Thanks again for joining us. If you'd like to contact us or find out more about our ministry, head over to our website at cornerstonechurch.info. Have a great week.